Welcome everybody back to another episode of Dead Funny Dead Serious Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Morozik. Today, I'm not interviewing anybody, just going to tell you a little bit about myself uh, and my experiences with death, dying, and I am uh, originally from outside of uh, the Chicagoland area in a little town called Lake Zurich, and there it's pretty much just like your, your standard white picket fence kind of suburb with uh, good school systems and uh, not too heavily religious or anything like that. So growing up, I, I wasn't really in the church or any anything like that. My parents raised me to be more open to whatever people were into, but never pushed anything specifically on us. And to me, I think that really opened my eyes to wanting to learn about other cultures specifically like I would go to gymnastics I was a gymnast for 15 years and my gym was in a a area that was had a very heavily Jewish community to it so I was fascinated with their religion and I would go to Passovers and bar mitzvahs and just learning about it but I, I didn't realize that I was learning the religion so much as I wanted to know what my friends were into and in terms of death and dying like I think my first my first real experience with death that I remember was my uncle he uh like I I had lost my grandma on my father's side earlier than that but I don't really remember much about it the one that really stuck with me with me was my father's brother uh, Phil, and that situation was was kind of bizarre because he never really called me or anything like that. Every once in a while, like every couple of months, he would stop by, hang out with my dad a little bit. Uh, he would come and spend a little time with us, playing video games or getting to know us a little bit, that kind of thing. But we weren't like it wasn't something normal for him to call. And one day, I remember I was 16 years old, driving myself to to gymnastics practice and he called me up and he was like oh I'm sorry I I thought I had your dad's number and started talking to me basically it at the time it didn't really uh really register but looking back at it he was he was giving me all these life lessons like how to take care of one another how to look at after the people that mean the most and to say the things that like really matter and he was giving me these lessons, and it seemed a little weird. I didn't realize that it was one of the last times I was ever going to talk to him. Because I guess he was fighting pancreatitis, and he ended up passing about two weeks later. And then I looked back, and I realized that he was sharing his life lessons with me. And I think that that's one of the first moments that I really think about when I, I think about death. And it kind of gives me that that pause that sense that you don't want to leave things undone and i feel like he he wished he would have given these pieces of knowledge to me my brother sooner and periodically not like in one lump thing right before he dies it felt like there was regret when i sit there and i i think about living my life i i always think going back to those those conversations I had with them where I don't want to have that regret 
I don't want to feel like there was something I didn't say. So that, that I think has played itself into my relationships with my wife, with my kids. I don't care if I'm in a heated argument and I'm storming out of the room. I make sure I always say, I love you. Even if it's in a grumbled, mad tone, I'm, oh, I'm like, whatever, I love you, bye. I, I, I make sure I always say it. I don't want the last thing I say to be like, I hate you or I can't believe you did that. Because you never know. I could get in my car, turn a corner, and get killed instantly. And I don't want there to ever be that thought in their mind. Like, I wish we had said that we loved each other the last thing. And I, I think that all goes back to my uncle and seeing and hearing those moments of regret. But I also feel like he was able to get that off of his chest and to feel like he he didn't leave things undone, which kind of makes me happy to, to know that he was able to, ha like, to foresee his own... Uh, demise and be able to have the clarity to be like, hey, I need to impart this with, with my nephew. I'm in the Navy currently. I joined the Navy about nine years ago and at my first command, I'm a diver and there wasn't a whole lot of diving to do. So we filled our time with extra jobs and extra duties and stuff like that. And one of the things that I took on was the funeral detail. So when you see movies or TV shows where a military person has passed away and they've got the American flag draped over the coffin. Then you've got the guys playing taps on the bugle and people folding the flag. I was one of the flag folders and the people that would present the flag to the next of kin. And in my time there over a three-year period, I've performed over a hundred different funerals. And I have done, I've done a funeral for another diver in a bar because he was in a band, in a cover band. I guess he used to play for Eddie Money and they weren't sure how many people were gonna show up to his funeral. So they're like, oh, well, he was supposed to play this bar uh, this weekend, so let's just have it here. So I literally did this flag fold on stage under the the spotlights of the, of the stage. It was a... A unique experience to say the least. Uh, I've also done a funeral for a husband and a wife who died within days of each other. They both served on active duty so they both warranted military honors and we when we got the tasking to do this funeral we ended up we looked and both the funeral assignments had the same name. We're like oh Washington DC must have put it in twice. So we're like, okay, we'll just show up and plan to do one. And we got there and it ended up being both the husband and the wife had passed another funeral I did. Um, Cause you never know how the grieving process is gonna strike you. So I, I should probably let you know that most of the funerals I did were for older people. They, they were usually 60s, 70s, 80s. People from World War II and like that whole time period, basically they had decided, because most of the time funerals were done by the, the honor guard from Arlington Cemetery, 
but because of World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the the number crunchers in DC had decided that a whole group of people were going to be dying and there's no way like in this 10 year period and there was no way that the Arlington Cemetery team could fly all over the the country and handle all of these funerals so they ended up like training a bunch of different uh groups throughout the country to handle these these uh funerals in in the the place of the Arlington Funeral Guard so we were doing the funerals at the Naval Academy because there's actually a cemetery on the Naval Academy I don't know many people are aware of that it's actually really cool if you uh, are in Annapolis I would highly recommend checking that out there's also in the main church uh, in the bottom is a really really amazing memorial and casket with the remains of John Paul Jones who's like a big iconic figure in uh, Navy history, U.S. Navy history. So if you're ever in the area, I highly recommend taking the tour of the uh, the base and checking out uh, those cemeteries and that, that uh, memorial for sure. But uh, I digress. We were doing one of the funerals for uh, an officer, and he was probably in his 70s or uh, late 70s, early 80s. Same with his wife, and his, his wife was there, and we get down on one knee after doing the flag fold and we go to present the flag and she looks at me and she's she's like what who, what do I want with that she's like that's not going to bring him back i don't need that so i'm i'm literally st- like down on one knee in front of this large group of people not knowing what to do cuz i'm required to to give her this flag and i'm just sitting here being told she's not going to take it and then her daughter is like just take the damn flag mom just take the flag i i'm i'm just dumbfounded i'm like i don't i don't know she's like fine give me the damn flag she rips the flag out of my hands and throws it on her daughter's lap and i'm just trying to like figure out what is happening and then there's the the uh gun salute they also will then pick up the brass uh, casings from the bullets and then present those but I didn't want them to have to deal with what I just did so I just kind of like give them that the shifty eyes of like no nope don't even worry about presenting those like we'll give them to the daughter like behind the scenes later because I, I wasn't about to put the the whole uh the whole platoon on on the spot to to get yelled at by this lady but the funny thing is, is the family is the one who requests the services Unless you request the services, you won't get the military honors because it's ultimately up to the family on whether whether or not they want to deal with the plane of taps, the flag fold, all of the final military honors. Albeit everybody who served on active duty and is honorably discharged warrants full military honors. You won't get them unless you actually call the uh, state and and request those services so i don't know if her daughter requested the services and she didn't want them but it was definitely a a memorable moment in uh presentation uh in in my memory recently i was uh deployed out to uh, the middle east and i was out there for six months 
And while I was out there, my, uh, my grandfather ended up getting sick. He went downhill pretty damn fast. He ended up having cancer of his lungs and bones and arm and I'm not really sure what else. It was a little bit of everything. But you could tell when you talked to him that he was ready to go. And as hard as that was, like it was, I wanted to be home, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to put that pressure on him or in into the universe, so to speak. I I actually prayed for the first time, like for real, I think in my entire life. And all I prayed was that he hang on as long as he was comfortable. Like I wanted to be able to get home and see him one last time, but I didn't want him to suffer for me to be able to do it. And I was I was able to call ahead and FaceTime him and I got to say I love him one last time. And when he passed he was surrounded by my aunts and my mom and all the people that could handle being there for him and helping him in that grieving process. But he also left without the uh, those who wouldn't have been able to handle watching him pass. He, he held on until they went home for the night. And I think he did that on purpose. But I was still deployed, so I wasn't able to come home for the funeral. I didn't get to see, I didn't get to say goodbye to the body. I didn't get to see him in the casket. I don't know where he's buried. I know I, I've heard of where he's buried, but I haven't actually visited it. So in my head, I know he's gone, but I sit there and struggle with the, the whole concept of it because I haven't seen it. So sometimes in my head, I sit there and think about, oh, next time I go home, I'll grab breakfast with him. But I won't because that's what our family would do. We would go grab breakfast. We didn't do dinners. We didn't like we'd have like our holiday meals, but we we were a breakfast family. We'd go to a nice greasy spoon diner. We'd always order the same things, and we would just sit there for an hour, two hours, drinking coffee, telling stories, gossiping about the other family members that weren't present. And I think that's what I'm going to remember most about my grandpa. But. Like I said, I still struggle with the fact that I keep thinking, oh, when I go home, I'll grab breakfast with him one more time. And then I have to remember that he's actually gone. I have similar situation with my uh, my grandfather's sister, uh, Aunt Franny, who was just like one of the, the kookiest, funniest little old ladies you'll ever meet. Just full of fire and super religious and thinks every... Every man in, in the uh, family was destined to be a priest. And she would make dinners for the, the clergy and bring food to the nuns. And she'd have, no joke, priests from the Vatican fly in to have dinner at her house made off of her stove from 1935. Like, she, she was a unique individual. But I was, I was down in training when she passed and I wasn't able to make it back for her funeral or any of that as well. And it's another one of those situations I have to ask people sometimes for confirmation. She she passed away, right? And it, it's it's a mind trip. I never got closure on two of the most influential elderly people in my life. 
two of the, two of the people in my family that I loved the most, and I never I never received any sort of closure about their death. I never experienced their deaths. It's something I I struggle with just periodically trying to remember the last moments I had with them. They were they were still healthy. Like it had been about a year and a half since I had seen either one before they had passed. I talked to them on the phone periodically, but I, I never experienced either one of their their deaths, their funeral procession, their their final like I never got to say goodbye. So I guess what I'm trying to impart is make sure if you have the opportunity to say your goodbyes and to get that closure to actually do it because otherwise like it, it is it's a mind trip you were meant to have that closure and i think that's why as i'm learning more about the funeral industry and the home funerals how they're they're growing in popularity and that that whole situation where I look at how funerals are run nowadays, I I believe that we're not giving ourselves the proper amount of time to grieve and to accept and face the death of our loved ones. I think we need to reevaluate because right now you go to a funeral home and it's a business. Not saying that it everybody they're all shady or anything like that it's just the the nature of it is it's a business and you can't sit there for three days in in the viewing room to take the time we're actually meant to to say goodbye to our loved ones you you can in a home funeral i wasn't there for my grandpa's funeral but they built my grandpa's coffin they uh mitzi knew a guy who sells these uh, coffins that he builds them, like he cuts out all the pieces and basically it's just like an Ikea furniture type thing where he ships it to you, you take it out of the box and within 30 minutes you can assemble your own casket. And we were all really like unsure how the family would take this. But my grandpa was like, hey, I like that idea. It's simple, it's clean. I want that. So we did it and the family wrote farewells on the on the top of the box and had all these little messages to my grandpa and it was so therapeutic according to Mitzi cuz like I said I wasn't there. But I saw the pictures and I heard the stories of what his brothers were saying and what his sisters were saying and what his kids were saying about I want that like it was it was therapeutic to be able to write a message to to him to say their farewells to be able to have that one last moment spiritually with that person and I I think I think spiritually we need to give ourselves those last few moments we need to handle the dead ourselves we need to be take part in that so we can get those mo those moments because I think those moments are what help us grieve and what help us come to grips that that person is no longer with us and that that's okay. So that I think is why me and Mitzi are are coming up and 
uh, doing this holistic gift funeral with the burial shrouds and wanting to spread this message of, of getting those last few moments, creating that, that shared experience, the gift of, of being able to grieve properly and let go. So that, that's, that's what we're trying to do, and that's why. So I wanted to, to share a little bit about my experiences, my stories, uh, so you understand where I'm coming from. And hopefully my story will help help you get over and deal with your stories. And I would love if you would uh, leave comments, come follow us on Instagram at the gift funeral is Mitzi or dead funny dead serious is is me. And I would love to interact with you, answer your questions, share more stories, and hear your stories. And I'm always looking for new people to interview, to hear your stories, to hear your takes on death, grieving, and and anything you've experienced as well. So please uh, DM me. I'd love to hear from you and uh, share share your experiences with us. You have a uh, a great rest of your day. And thank you for stopping by to listen to the podcast. That you can't like